in those early stages, we would, I would print out like these little cards, almost like business cards. And it would just have my picture. And on the back, it would say, download a free song. If you follow me, here's the link basically. And I would like DM these links out to download a free song on Reverb Nation. Once you go to a label and you're on a major label and, and a label like Universal or Big Machine or Sony is going to put out your first single on country radio. And that's the first thing you've ever done. It, it already kind of come is like a facade to like people that really dig into it. Whereas if you've already really built grassroots with people and you have a, a, a network, a social network and a foundation already, um, people believe it more. You're listening to the Radcast. If it's radical, we cover it. Here's your host, Ryan Alford. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the latest edition of the Rad Cast. Hey man, if if you've been checking my playlist, if you've been, if anyone that knows me, they know I'm a country music guy. So I'm gonna get as many country music stars as I can. And I got my favorite guy right now, Tyler Rich. What's up, brother? What's up? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. Excited for this. I was excited. I like. I was like, I'm gonna DM Tyler. I've been. I know you're busy. You're back on the road. We'll talk about that, but. Loving your the newest hits, which we'll talk about, and uh, I was like, "Damn, I want to get this guy." I know you've got an interesting journey. Just, just super thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks, man. I'm excited. It's a uh, different than the normal type of podcast I do, so I'm, I'm excited about this. <laughs> cool, man. Well, let's just start down the road. Um, we'll get into some of the latest hits and all that stuff that what's going on today. But I do want to just talk about you know your journey and your background and all the nitty gritty for, for kind of coming up and, you know, building a career in country music and everything behind that. So maybe let's just start down, uh, down that road. Yeah, man. So, uh, born and raised a little town called Yuba city, California. Uh, it, a lot of people are always like, Hey, California, man, why do you like country music? And, uh, <laughs> usually people that say that have never been to actual California. They've only been to, you know, Disneyland or LA and whatnot. Uh, where I grew up is one of the, agriculture capitals of basically the entire west coast and it's just uh so i was raised around country music and farming and all that stuff um just fell in love with the songwriting of country music when i was a kid and pretty much you know anybody in my age range of 35 so we all had you know from like brooks and dunn garth brooks george Strait, alan jackson all that kind of stuff to really suck us in and then being from california i was also a massive fan of every other genre of music because i was surrounded by Grew up pretty close to the Bay Area, so it was like Bay Area hip-hop to uh, rock. You know, Metallica was from there, to Deftones was from Sacramento, Papa Roach was from Sacramento, all these places I grew up around. And so I had all these, like, really cool influences growing up and dove into guitar and bands and all that stuff when I was in high school and then my early 20s. And then all of a sudden, you know, guys like Keith Urban and Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, all that stuff. When I was departing from the band I was in and it was just going to be me and my guitar. Uh, and I was going to be a singer songwriter. I was like, what do I really want to do? And country was like, just that obvious, like I want to write songs about where I grew up, what I grew up around, who I grew up with. Um, and the ex-girlfriends I can't stand, you know, and like all these like <laughs> re- realistic stories of where I grew yep. up and whatnot. Your favorite and, beer and, and, uh, yeah. The long yeah. the used to mow. <laughs> exactly. You know, and country sets you up so nice for um to be as honest, painfully honest as you want to be, you know. And and uh my uncle that taught me how to play when I was a little kid, it was it was always country. You know, it was just him, myself, 
two guitars, him and a couple friends, their guitars, and we would just sit around for hours uh, playing music. And so that's really when I fell in love with the song and country songwriting. And so, yeah, I just graduated after doing music for so long. I went back to school and uh, got a degree in economics uh, for some reason. Crazy <laughs> off the wall. Yeah, uh, perfect, perfect match with country music. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I think, yeah, I think I needed something to get my mind off of this thing I'd been chasing for so long and take a break. And, and so I went back and I finished. And then when I was done with that, is when I moved down to L.A. from I graduated from Sacramento State and I moved to L.A. to do this singer-songwriter thing and started writing a bunch of songs down there just alone for the first time ever. And then we got into producing pretty quick and put a couple of just independent tracks out. And this was probably like eight, nine years ago at this point because time is just now, especially after COVID, I'll see friends now and I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? I haven't seen you in like a year. And like, oh man, it's been like two and a half. Like, that <laughs> yeah. would make sense because we have like a year and a half gap in the entire world. Uh, but so yeah, probably like nine years ago now, we put out a couple independent songs. And um, this is right when Spotify wasn't even a thing yet. You know, it was like, yeah. it was really guerrilla marketing still. You know, I had to, uh, uh, which I know is pretty, what this podcast is really about is like the business side. <laughs> and, man, in those early stages, we would, I would print out like these little cards, almost like business cards. And it would just have my picture. And on the back, it would say, download a free song. If you follow me, here's the link, basically. And I would like DM these links out to download a free song on Reverb Nation. And I would go to festivals and I would go to front of the lines of any shows I was playing. And I would just hand out these cards, hand out these cards trying to spread my music. And then uh, it eventually got me to Nashville. And then the rest kind of just happened from there. But that's that's the nutshell version of, of how it kind of started and what got me from California to it's an the inter- East Coast. Interesting journey. I mean, it's like I know every past every you know it seems like hit artist or or whatever every journey's different, but it's definitely a different path. It, it seems like every other one I've heard is like move to Nashville with the dream in mind or something like that. But I know I I know California pretty well and knowing how you know some of the rural country, it's a huge state. Like you know. And how Massive. how how popular and how it kind of did originate some of um, some major artists and things like that and country and things like that. So not not that shocking. But uh, what do you think the uh, the biggest challenge for you, like you know, through that journey, is it just like is it just I don't know. You don't seem to lack confidence, but like it just seems like the journey for artists especially is like when you're trying to get that fan base and trying to kind of get the machine rolling or something. I mean, talk about just some of that, some of those just challenges and, you know, things you struggled with or, you know, that you feel like you've kind of pushed through on. Yeah. Um, the biggest struggle always is, well, what you said about confidence is important because that's the number one thing you have to get no matter what. Cause if you don't believe in your brand or believe in yourself and what you're selling, because I mean, I'm an artist, I'm a musician, but uh, I, mean, I mean, it's business more than anything in the world, you know, and uh, you have to believe in it and what you're selling. And it's so crazy important because when you're trying to tell somebody to listen to your music and they sense any sort of hesitation or like any sort of like, they get like, I mean, if somebody tells me, hey man, will you check out my music? And I have like even a 5% inkling of like this weird vibe from this person. <laughs> I'm like, do I want to? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so that is super important, obviously. But as far as going back to that guerrilla marketing thing, man, it was, it was so important in those early days of getting those, that core early on, because you want somebody, you want people that are passionate about your, um, your progress and your journey. You want people to 
be like, man, I was there. Uh, and I'll give you a perfect example of this. Like I was there when it started kind of thing. Right. So you think seven years ago, eight years ago, I was at Stagecoach, which is a massive country festival, hundred thousand people in Southern California. Yeah. And I used to walk around with those little cards I was talking about and I would hand them out. I'd take like 3000 in the festival and I would walk around and I would just tell people like, Hey, I'm playing next year. They're letting me promote ahead of time. Here's a free song. And it was a lie. I was never playing next year, you know, but then you got 3000 <laughs> like people. I yeah. Like it. You got 3000 people. Now they're looking at this card being like, Hey, I've never heard of this person next year. We could be the only one singing this guy's songs. Like, let's check it out. You know, there's a, a pride and an ownership that a fan can get from that. Um, and then, so now flash back forward like five years later. So in 2019, we played Stagecoach finally. And we had, I think they said 12,000 people at our stage. Um, we were closing the XM stage hmm. and 12,000 something people, um, four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, midday slot. Yeah. But we had a massive, massive following. Yeah, that's a lot. And, or a crowd. And I told that story on stage about walking around with those cards. And I said, <laughs> For any of you out there, one of these years that you got one of these false advertising cards, <laughs> right? Uh, and it wasn't false. Your year was off. And if you believe it, it was not. It, hey, I tell people, you say that things in marketing, as long as you believe it and you're going to manifest that it wasn't false. <laughs> yeah. And it never wasn't true that I wasn't playing next year. There never, there wasn't even a lineup yet, you know? So in my mind, I was, I was going to play next exactly. year. Exactly. Because none of us knew yet, you know? And so. How many and people raise their hands? Did some people raise their hand? Dude, not only did they raise their hand, but so many people lifted that card up in the air. No shit. So people had like saved them, right? That and so like awesome. that's just like a little thing that just shows like how how one little interaction could go such a far away. And ultimately, like our biggest thing is making sure we grow in each city. You know, like I don't really play certain markets as much as I play other ones. And we just played a show in Columbus, Ohio, a headlining show two nights ago. And um, we were just looking at how many people were coming. And the crowd was massive. And we were just super excited. And I looked at the guys backstage and I said, man, three years ago, we headlined in this city two blocks away. And we sold 12 tickets, you know. And uh, and then we were about to play the show. And you walked out and we played 75 minutes. And the whole crowd, massive crowd was singing like, every word to every song and it's crazy because you can play a show you know a week ago that might not have been that good but <laughs> as long as where you have been before continues to grow and every time you put out a new song more and more people are listening um as long as you can visibly see it then you know you're in the right direction well greenville south carolina needs needs some tyler rich you know Surely. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I know. So we'll start the fan club here specifically uh, with this podcast. Uh, we've, got, we've got a national audience pretty gr growing ourselves, but Greenville, South Carolina needs some power rich. We'll come back to that. Maybe we'll get you down here for a, some kind of benefit or something like that. We'll, uh, we'll figure that out. But So talk yeah. to me, man, Tyler. Talk to me about talking to Tyler Rich, country music artist, writer, superstar. <laughs> I'm gonna give you all the accolades, brother. Yeah, I, like yeah. to, I, I like to praise <laughs> up my my guests. The uh, but talk to me about like maybe the biggest difference. Like, I think there's a perception with country music of okay, the way careers are grown. Move to Nashville. You got to sign with the label. You got to do it this way. Like, you know, not everyone listening maybe knows the the business of country music. But maybe talk to me about like the reality of it and maybe the perception mm -hmm. of some of the business of, of, of growing and, and becoming, you know, a star artist. 
Yeah, uh, it changes every year. You know, the, the process, um, you nailed it when you said that, you know, that's like what well, you said earlier also, you know, so many people say, oh, I left and went to Nashville first and built it from there. Whereas then I chose the route of building it from my home state first and um, then going to Nashville. But there is the conception that you, you need to move to Nashville where LA is the Nashville of the West Coast. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you move to LA, you think you can do anything entertainment related. And I realized pretty quick I needed to actually live in Tennessee. It's like being in politics and refusing to move to DC, being an actor and not living in LA. You can't, you have to be in Nashville for country. And so I, I learned it pretty quick, but you know, they say you move to Nashville, um, get a publishing deal, then get a record deal and then spend forever, figure out what's the perfect song to release first, take that to radio. And that has been the machine that works every single time. As long as you have the right song and you have the right team, et cetera. In this growing age of um, streaming services and constant, just, content at your fingertips no matter what it is that you want immediately that is changing and there are a lot of artists i'm seeing that are absolutely just crushing independently because of stuff like apple and amazon playlists and spotify playlists and um there's just a discovery aspect there never was before yeah and if you make it on hot country on spotify and you are unsigned and you're getting, you know, a million streams a week or something like that from that. That is massive awareness on your product, right? Your mm -hmm. song. And so it's it's interesting to watch change. Now, in my timeline, my situation, that was not even an option in my mind or even in reality. You know, like I was very set on my, I need to get this record deal and then we're going to take. So country radio is still the biggest radio format of any genre. Whereas in people that listen to other genres don't necessarily listen to the radio as much anymore as country consumers do. Um, country radio is everything to the country audience still. So in order to get on country radio, actual charting country radio stations, you have to have a record deal. And so if you don't have a record deal, you don't have a promo team that's pushing your stuff to country radio. And so it's, uh, it's just become like, other genres, man, you can do it. Is the you can do it without a label for a long time. Uh, country, I would still my number one form of advice is go get yourself a record deal, but get the right one. Even if it's an independent one, even if it's small, you need a radio promo team because country radio is the spark to every career still currently. That was validated by one of the uh, the biggest self made country artists that was on our show a few weeks ago, Coffee Anderson, who did mm. Country Ever After who's been 100% self-promoted, never labeled, but he even admitted, and he just signed to get on country radio starting like next year, that that's the avenue. You know, he's done yeah. really well. He's made good money. Maybe not, I mean, millions and millions and millions, but a very comfortable, really nice lifestyle, um, yeah. you know, through other channels. But even he said, and and it doesn't surprise me, because that genre of country music, the, the people that, I don't know, down-home, good country music people just still listen to the radio still trust the radio still love the radio the djs and everything else that that's just been yeah. the staying power hadn't it they get off work what yeah. do they do on their way way to dinner or their way home they, they just turn on country radio they don't they don't open their phone and figure out what they want to play on a playlist they don't and you know and like so that's your a, a large chunk of your demographic um and yeah with coffee and like so many other artists especially either like texas artists i mean people just crush you know and they can there's people that aren't played on country radio that'll sell out massive auditoriums all across the country and they don't need country radio to do it. But if you're wanting 
so for instance, we'll get, be put on lists for opening slots for tours, you know, and be like, hey, Tyler's available, this person's available, this person's available. And then you'll get, like, I just went through this with our headlining tour that is on the West Coast. Uh, it starts four weeks from tomorrow. And so when we're looking at openers, they send these press packages. Yep. And you look at their streams and you look at all this stuff. But when we get submitted to things, we just got submitted to a few for next year. There's a number one criteria that must be matched, and that is that you have a current song climbing on country radio. Um, and if you don't, you're just not going to get big tours. Unless you're an anomaly. There's outliers to every situation. Sure. Always. Um, but if we're talking like status quo, uh, like run of the mill, like what's going to happen? Yep. You need a damn song country radio. <laughs> and you do that, you need a damn record deal. And uh, I love my label. They crushed for me. And we've definitely had our, our battles with country radio and our ebbs and flows and whatnot. Um, but we're, we're just like everyone else. We're, we're in the fight every week getting it done. What is, I mean... I, I know I'm not asking you to smack the hands that feed you, but I, since you just made that point, I am just curious, like a little bit of the, cause I, I get it that you have the record label. They're promoing you. They're, they're pushing you. They have the relationships. I mean, business is still about relationships and it, it always will be, but is it, is it just purely play my guy more, play my girl more, whatever. I'm saying guy universally play my artists, yeah. artist duo group, whatever, more, more. It's just, it's just constantly trying to get more plays or is it more complicated <laughs> than that? <laughs> Pretty much, man. It's uh like, so your radio, your record label, your, your promo team. I have seven, I believe or so people on my promo team specifically that work my songs to country radio. Okay. Um, and their job weekly is yeah. Connect, keep the connections going, talk about, getting it added and then talk about getting it put more. Uh, it's such a process where they have to work together with other stations too, to make sure that some that like, you know, if my song is crushing in Spokane right now on the radio, they're going to start lifting it more because that means it's doing good for their listeners or listeners want to hear that song more. But if they go too fast and then someone in Greenville is going too slow, then when it really comes down to the end and they're fighting to chase that number one song, it's already burnt out in this market over here they'll come off the song because it's already hit the top of their countdown. So they have to, at the same time, time it so that all the, so everybody's working together at the same time. Um, and, you know, business relationships are the number one. So you got to think after a year. So my second single, once I got pulled from country radio, it did what it was going to do. Then we're figuring out, okay, cool. What's next? About six months went by. We're getting ready to send the ship. The next song is what we call it. And then quarantine hit. And it's now a year and a half. And then now we just ship better than we're used to. My current single a couple months ago, but radio moves around so much. So, all, so it's like we could do zoom, pod, zoom hangs. We could do all that stuff as much to meet new people that run these radio stations, but it's just not nearly the same. So now what we're doing is I'm actually flying out, meeting these radio programmers and DJs again and getting to know, um, cause there's nothing bigger, bigger than the human connection in person. And yeah. We all got so used to, you know, being able to do this and the luxury of being able to do this, which is incredible. Um, but it's it's just there's nothing that compares to that human connection of um, it's hard when you have because even when you get a record deal, man, there's how many slots on a charting station of so 60 songs on a billboard or media based chart, basically. So, yeah, about you think 60, <laughs> you think 500 are signed to major labels, probably you yeah, know, so with how many songs? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you get your song to be in that 60? 
And it doesn't just matter. It's not just about having a good song. You know, there's like 17 layers of it. And what, uh, what about the whole like now full album like versus singles? Like it seems like it's there's never been a time more where there's more EPs and more. You know, like I've seen some of these guys that I like, and it's like they have like seven singles the last three years and not a single album. You know, like I I don't know what's that. What's, um, what's that all about, man? Myself, I'm 35. So yeah. for me, me as a music fan, I want to buy an album, stream an album, whatever. Yeah. From front to back, I truly believe in the art of, you know how long it took me to decide the order of my album? <laughs> it was a long process. And it had to do with the keys of the song. It had to do with the energy of each track. It had to do with yeah. the story it told from beginning to end. Um, but unfortunately, fans just don't listen to music that way anymore. Super fans will. I yep. mean, like the, the real diehards always will. So that is why I believe the album obviously will never die because super fans like the filler songs. They yep. like the deep cuts. Deep they tracks. like the, yep. <laughs> the, the, the sad, bastard ones in the middle. You know, like all yep. that. They love all that stuff. But, and it's a singles chasing game because at the same time, you've got other fans. Everybody just, content is so readily available. And if some artists are putting out a new song every month and then I'm only putting a new song every four months, fans are listening to the other artists and they're forgetting about me. And so they want music as fast as they want Instagram posts. And it's just this weird world we live in now that we're all getting used to. Um, I personally would love to, you know, we just like in a week, it'll be a year since my first album came out, which sounds cool crazy to me because it feels like yesterday yeah and i would love to just track a new album and put it out but you know realistically like probably gonna do an ep and then maybe another ep and then those eps together will be called album two you know and um, yeah we all i wish we all even knew the answer as to where it's heading and what it is it, we literally have meetings and talks like every month or so about what the plan is and that changes every month because we're like well, maybe instead of releasing one song, we'll release three, you know, but then if we're going to do that, we might as well release an EP. But then you worry about burning songs is what we call it. So if I think I've got two no-brainer hit songs, do we record them right now and put them out or do we wait a year to put the other one out because it takes a song a year to go number one on country radio? So do you release one hit a year and then 11, you know, or nine deep cuts just so that that one song, <laughs> what do you do, right? Yep. Fascinating. I love it. We, this is the behind the scenes stuff of the music industry. People don't completely realize that go into it. And the complexity, you know what, in our industry, like we've we've contributed to your complexity, which is all these channels. Every, like, you know, Spotify and all of course the, the music playing distribution channels, but then social media, you got a million platforms. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, I mean, how has social played for you? Um, be it you know, TikTok or Instagram. I know you're big there. That's where we met. But, uh, you know, talk about, you know, the impact of social on on your kind of trajectory. Yeah, um, it all started with socials for me. I mean, if you, if you take it back to the those little cards and guerrilla street marketing of like, follow me on this site and I'll, I'll DM you a, a link to it, a free download and all that stuff. And um, really, really blew up my Instagram to start this whole thing for me. Um, I used to sit on like the stairs at the gym, I wouldn't sit on the stairs. I mean, I would like sit on the stair machine and like walk for 45 minutes after a workout, just liking pictures 
from hashtags that were similar to me. Hashtag Sam Hunt, hashtag Keith Urban, hashtag whatever. Yep. Um, or if I knew I was going to a city and I saw that, like that venue the night before was a country show, I would go and like the pictures that people posted from that show to really start to blow up Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did get my initial meetings with Scott Borchetta with Big Machine, um, the reason I got my meetings so fast is because I already had over 100,000 followers on Instagram, but I didn't have a record deal. And people always say, like, oh, I mean, how really important is that? And I'm it's like, really important, not only because you've already created your own network, but like, you, like I've already, like I said earlier, also, like, once you go to a label and you're on a major label and, and a label like Universal or Big Machine or Sony is going to put out your first single on country radio, and that's the first thing you've ever done, it, it already kind of comes is like a facade to like people that really dig into it. Whereas if you've already really built grassroots with people and you have a, a, a network, a social network and a foundation already, um, people believe it more. You know what I mean? They believe you got your record deal for a reason and that there was already a demand. And so ding, ding, um, ding, 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 ding. I, yeah. I got to stop you right there, Tyler, because that is universal. I have this conversation. We work with personal brands and large. We work with some celebrities, do everything like that. And that right there is universal uh, tremendous like like recommendation whatever asterisk that that's gonna be a highlight clip for the from this episode because people don't realize building your audience now for your personal brand or your artist whatever your business is gives you leverage and it gives yeah. you attention you have built in uh, brilliant for you recognizing it but everyone listening circle that one <laughs> circle it. circle it. yeah man it, it's so true man and uh, and so then you know just building it from there from all these years of just like everything social media changes every day and and what's cool on social media changes every day, you know? And, um, so I finally caved and got a TikTok over quarantine because I was bored and, and scared. (laughs) Right. You know, I was like, man, we, we don't, we don't, we can't play in front of crowds anymore. We can't test new music in front of crowds anymore. Um, this TikTok thing's blowing up. I'm not going to dance on it, but I'll, I'll I'll try other things. (laughs) Um, and so, what I took into my, my court for TikTok was like, all right, there's people that are on Instagram and TikTok, but there's people that are only on TikTok and don't even use Instagram anymore. And that is an entire market I'm missing. Yep. And so I was like, if I can't test out these new songs I'm writing, cause I wrote so many songs. And I was like, if I can't test these songs out in front of a crowd to see if it gets a reaction because we can't play shows. What if I just do like little teasers? People love my wife. They love my dog. You know? And so I was like, me just showing the family new songs and not even me playing it, man. Just like turning up our stereo and being like, Hey, here's a new demo. And, um, a few songs really caught fire that way, including my new single better than you're used to. And so that thing, um, had a few million hits. It was the end of January. And so we didn't have any plans of what our next song was going to be. We didn't really know what was going on. And then, um, the label was just like, Oh my God, we gotta release this thing right away. Let's do it. And so we dropped it on Valentine's day. And, um, we just, and because of TikTok, all because of TikTok, it, an app that I literally wasn't going to download because of, I'm 35 in my pride and I thought it was just for kids that dance on the internet, but there's so much more to TikTok than, I mean, I get a lot of like my stock advice from TikTok. I get like all sorts of stuff from TikTok, you know, oh, yeah. there's like experts of every field now TikTok. have channels. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And it's like, it's interesting and uh, it really is its own world. And so, I mean, now you think of like something that started on TikTok as a teaser, literally just past like 32 million streams that song now 
and uh, it's number six on the top 30 countdown on XM, and it's climbing on regular radio, and it's uh, all from a TikTok post. Yep. And it's just, uh, yeah, so I've, I've, I still hate TikTok, but <laughs> <laughs> I hate the pressures of TikTok, but, uh, but I, I can't deny like just the, the you know, invaluable tool that it is. Yes, I have a love-hate relationship. I'm in the business, and I have a love-hate relationship with it, but it is very powerful, and, you know, hell, uh, 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 I'm blanking on his name, but I fancy-like. Walker I, Hayes. I, Walker Hayes. I'm like, oh, God, I hear it every other time I've turned TikTok on now, or definitely yeah. last month. Uh, and now he's, Applebee's, Applebee's has got the, the commercial, so I'm sure he's banking, getting something for that. I'm happy for him. I hear he's a great guy. Um, he is. And... Uh, I'm sure you know all these cats, but uh, talk about some of your influences. I mean, well, I want to come back to some of the business stuff because it's really fascinating. You've been as enlightening as anyone we've had on on the business, so I really appreciate that. But let's t- what are I mean, who are some of your influences in country music, either you know in the past, growing up, but and even now today? Yeah, uh, my biggest one, which is a lot of people, so it's it's not unique, but Garth Brooks. I mean, it was. I, oh, yeah. nothing nothing compares you know <laughs> it's like um obviously george Strait is the king of country and um i love george and he, he really got me into it when i was eight because i love the movie pure country that he was in <laughs> i just uh that's how i found out who he was when i was like in first grade <laughs> yeah. um but garth brooks from just his singability the songwriting the stories he tells to his as a performer i mean he's you know one of the most famous musicians in the world and he still goes out and does dive bar tours and his stadium tours and he's dripping in sweat when he walks off stage and he's just my biggest influence as a whole all around. Um, also as a kid, man, I loved Michael Jackson and I used to watch his music videos. Like they were movies. Thriller is one of the reasons why I loved horror movies as a kid and still do to this day. Um, him as a performer, uh, his just attention to detail from everything from just every single drum hit to every light that shines on stage was all on his like crazy genius. Um, that uh musically nowadays i mean keith urban is my number one from current country um i love old dominion their their songwriting their quirkiness everything about old dominion is a bumper sticker or a shirt that a dad wears in daytona beach on you know on totally. vacation. <laughs> you know like <laughs> they take just uh everyday common phrases and turn them into the catchiest just like brilliant hooks you know um i uh i love John Mayer, love, love John Mayer, Jason Mraz. You can hear a lot of like that Jason Mraz-esque uh, production in my, in my music. Yeah. My stuff is country songwriting, but production wise is very, can be like beach, feel good, California, you know, in the rhythm sections and whatnot. Totally. I grew up listening. That. I grew up listening to metal, hardcore, punk rock. Um, I was in bands that had, you know, distortion so loud you couldn't hear the vocals you know, for <laughs> half our shows. Uh, Foo Fighters is one of my favorite rock and roll bands of all time. Um, so Slipknot, I mean, I've, I listen to it all. I love it all. And I think, you know, my, because my mom and my uncle, I grew up listening to country because of my dad, I grew up listening to rock and roll. CCR is probably my top five favorite band of all time. Um, because of my other uncles, I listened to punk rock and metal. Um, I just had the, the coolest influences growing up that introduced me to so much at such an early age uh, to keep what could easily become a narrow mind wide open. And it's a, uh, and I'm thankful for it, especially like we get to play music festivals sometimes or I go to music festivals that are all genre. 
And people will be like, all right, cool. So we're only going to watch EDM at this festival. And I'm like, oh, cool. But, you know, what about like this hip hop artist and this R&B singer? What about this soul singer? You know, what about Alabama Shakes, man? Brittany Howard's like one of the best of all time. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm super thankful for not only my musical influences, but my family influences that got me there. I hear that Jason Mraz, now that you said that. I uh, totally, you said that, and I was nodding my head thinking about kind of the the melody. It's some of the tunes, I don't know what it is. I don't know if that California vibe, I don't know what it is, but that totally rang true. And yeah. Beat It was my first cassette tape single, Michael was Jackson. It? Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. I was nodding my head, and I was a Papa Roach guy, too. Like, all yeah. that stuff. Like, I've been through all those things. I'm... We're close to the same age. I'm a little older than you, but uh, similar yeah. influences. But love well, Papa Roach. <laughs> Papa Roach was really cool for us because they grew up like 40 minutes from where I grew up. Oh wow! And so when we were in high school, they would play like in grocery lot, grocery store parking lots where we in our hometown. But the bass player played um, the trombone, and they were just oh, a high wow. school band. Um, cool. To then all of a sudden, you know, like. Then they get a record deal and Last Resort comes out and, you know, and it was just the coolest thing being local and watching it happen from the ground up. What's, um, you, how, how long have you been married? You're not, you've not been married that long, have you? Uh, two years, the yeah. end of September. Is it September yet? Yeah, no. almost like Tuesday, right? Wednesday. Yeah. Two like years, that. September 20th. Uh, great. I mean, how's that, how's that been? It seems like you'll have a great relationship and it seems like. It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she, um, especially with her being an actor and our, our schedules being chaotic and crazy, we've, since we've met, we've always been long distance. So whether I'm in LA with her, she's in Nashville with me, or we're just on tour on the weekends, uh, we've always made it work. And we see, we see ourselves more than each other more than we don't. But yeah. all of a sudden, you know, we got married at the end of 19. And then, um, and we'd been together for four or three or four years at that point, but then married at the end of 19. Then immediately it was the holidays. Then we went on our honeymoon in January, came back, and then the world ended out of nowhere. <laughs> and then so we uh, all of a sudden went from like super honeymoon phase for six months to then living together every minute of every day like a regular married couple. Um, <laughs> I can make or break it, brother. <laughs> everybody I talked to is like, cool. So now that you put the marriage to the actual test, like regular people, how's it going? Uh, and it actually made it sweeter. You know, we got to know each other like in a whole different way. And, um, quarantine sucked for a million reasons, but it was, it was really awesome at the same time because of that. We binge watched Netflix shows together for the first time ever. You know, we, uh, cooked dinners together and learned homemade meals and like all that kind of stuff. And very domestic for us, you know, now we're back to Taco Bell and, uh, road catering and, uh, yeah, also not so bad. <laughs> That's cool. I'm assuming better than you're used to is, is, uh, it's gotta be something with your wife, right? And. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, she's, she's the ultimate muse, man, for everything, always. Yeah. Um, the original idea from that song is my little sister is just such a hard ass, and she is stubborn. She's the youngest. She's stubborn. She's extremely intelligent. She's a lawyer. Um, she's always got the poker face on. And then mm -hmm. over Christmas last year, or I guess oh, whatever, some point last year, I was having a conversation with her about her boyfriend that was just putting her through it and uh she was crying and she was like i'm just putting so much in and he's not giving me anything back and in a normal conversation i was like you need to find you need to find somebody that's better than you're used to she goes i know i know i know and always in conversations i've probably said three things since we've been talking and i'm like oh cool i'll remember to write that down because that's a cool song title you know yeah it is 
so I wrote it down in the idea. And then a few months later, um, I brought it up in a room and usually how it works is there's anywhere from like two to four of us just hanging out, chatting about different ideas. And I brought it up. And once we started writing the actual song, you know, I can't write a whole song about my sister like that. Like there's not enough. It's too surface level. So when I met my wife, she was, you know, getting out of a relationship where she was extremely unhappy and et cetera, et cetera. And so when I met her, she was super jaded on love and didn't believe in it and didn't want to give it a chance. And I had to be that person to tell her that like, I can be better than you're used to. Like I can be that thing. And uh, so that was what sparked all the actual lyrical content, but it's kind of cool. You know, my little sister, you know, that we got that out of that conversation of me trying to be the older brother uh, when she's never really let me be because she's always so self-sufficient. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. I mean, that I would probably always, it will all, not only is it turned into a massive hit, but it's uh you know, it has that dual meaning. It'll be special for you guys forever, especially to her. So that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. How's, uh, can you share, I mean, touring, like anything that's like big coming down, I'm sure we aren't gonna be able to like make releases before your promo tape or anything, but like, yeah. is there anything that might be out there that people don't know or like anything coming up like next year or, you know, anybody huge, maybe you're opening for or that's opening for you or anything, any of those details? Um, so next year is pretty much still all completely coming together. Um, but we are, my headlining tour is September 28th till October 18th. It's 18 shows over 21 days. Wow. All across California, Washington, Oregon, um, Arizona, Utah, Idaho. Um, boo West coast tour. I know, but, (laughs) but, um, that is, uh, we're doing that. Uh, buddy Shy Carter is opening that show. Um, oh, wow. And then we have a week off, and then we go out um, with Chris Lane. So we are direct support for Chris Lane mm-hmm. from end of October pretty much until middle of December. Nice. And then it's Christmas, and then um, we are, and, then, and that whole tour is for us through the South. We're not coming to Greenville, unfortunately. <laughs> um, he might be, he's a Charlotte charlotte guys so he will yeah. probably be hitting one of the carolinas i'm assuming um we're doing midwest and the south on that tour doing some florida stuff doing like tortuga fest florida um lots of really cool stuff the rest of the year is extremely exciting this is actually these next two weeks right here are going to be pretty uh i'm gonna try to drop some beer weight get show ready again so i can gain <laughs> an old back come headline tour It'd be great <laughs> i love that um is it still uh i mean on tour, like as we kind of conclude here, Tyler is uh is that is I don't want to say rock style, rock rock uh, rock star lifestyle, but like is it just kind of I mean eighteen day eight eighteen and twenty one is insanity, like you know, but like is it just nuts? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny about that is that so usually on country they call country artists uh, weekend warriors. Because we usually go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back on Sunday. Yeah. Leave on Wednesday, play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back on Sunday. Um, whereas in rock bands and hip hop art, uh, everybody else usually go on one tour that's like three months long, and then yeah. they're off months and they do it. One tour is like three months long. Um, and so my agent hit me up when we were because this headline tour is our, it's the fourth time rebooking it. I wanted to call it Fourth Times a Charm, but we wanted to stay away from COVID puns um, and. So I like he calls that. me. He's like, "Hey, man, instead of like a five-week tour, how do you think? How do you feel about three weeks?" I was like, "Oh shit!" So we're losing like half the tour. 
<laughs> he goes, nah. So remember when you used to be like in a rock band 15 years ago, whatever, and you used to tour like nonstop? How do you feel about 18 shows in 21 days? And so we are straight up like, it's going to be tiring, exhausting, rewarding, and freaking awesome. Um, I wouldn't, you know. You need to doc. I, like, I'm sure you have a content team. You got to document that shit. Like, yeah, yeah. You absolutely. need like 18 and 21. Like, that's, that. there's your, you know, big, bold, like, it's yeah. some, you know, there's more creativity around it, but like, that would be cool. Well, conveniently, so the, the, the tour is called 2000 Miles, which is, the title of my album. And yep. so that is 2000 miles is basically almost the exact distance between Nashville and LA and from our two front doors. And so the entire time I was writing that first album, Sabina and my wife and I were going back and forth trying to see each other between 2000 miles. And so that was like the, the no brainer title for that album. This entire tour of 18 shows is almost exactly 2000 miles in routing also. And so, uh, uh it kind of love it when marketing and, and reality come together. It just comes together perfect. Yeah. So uh, my media guy, Rick, on tour that just documents our stuff nightly, he, he's going to do like a whole, a whole like actual thing that we can release. It's like a documentary style of the whole tour. Um, taking my Husky out there. I've had the same dog for 15 and a half years. She just turned 16. And so we're taking her out to California to start the tour. And she's going to be out on the bus with us for, for three weeks and uh, bring her back to here. And then a week off before Chris Lane starts, that, that one's called the Fill Them Boots Tour. We'll be uh, dead by then, but happy about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, good problems to have. The uh, what's the future? I mean, I know you're you're living it out. You got the hits coming. You're writing. You're you're living the dream. You're growing. I mean, you know. But is there? Are you one of those that's like oh, I got this? I'm gonna have this done, that done, or are you are you just riding the wave? Man, I'm just riding the wave. <laughs> we, it's hard. It's hard to plan for anything in this in this lifestyle. Um, we wanted to buy a house. We just bought our first house in Nashville. So we're excited about that. We're still moving into this. This is my studio. And so we're in the process of making this thing home right now. Uh, kids are on the mind. So that'll be like the next thing. Uh, but as far as like music goes, man, we just ride the wave. Rear wise, we just ride the wave. We're <laughs> next week, the 7th, I'm going in to track uh, a few new songs uh, to be what's going to follow up better than you're used to. Yep. Um, and we're starting album cycle number two. And so um, tracking with Jaron Johnston, who is a singer of Cadillac 3. And so it's going to be, he's producing the next batch of stuff. So it's going to be probably a little more rocking, a little more in your face. And so I, I'm excited about it. All my stuff has always been such, so it's like easygoing country love songs and feel good stuff that we're going to add a little grit to the party. And it's going to be like cool. I like it. I love it, brother. Yeah. You got time for a real quick rad or fad we give you a yes, one sir. word you tell us rad or fad <laughs> like as in it's 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 good to stay or it's just here for now yeah or some people interpret it as uh truly what they say rad awesome fad uh yeah not so great or however you want to yeah. interpret but yeah cool All right, like first it. instagram reels rad or fad oh, i'm uh, rad yeah all right kanye <laughs> kanye <laughs> um, who's who's now yay again yeah I'm, I'm going kanye rad i think he's one of the greatest marketing influence like his brain is crazy ding 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 my friend <laughs> dolly parton oh come on rad, of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking every country music like if someone dares says fad i don't know what's gonna happen but i'm gonna like you know 
give the flush the toilet sound or something. I don't know. What, but uh, <laughs> That's a trick question. <laughs> no. Uh, country, hip-hop, rad oh, or man. fad? I- I'm going to say... <sighs> I'm going to say fad. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of on the fence. I, I enjoy it, but, you know, yeah. but like, I don't know if it's a forever thing. And, you know, I'm going to say make. fad strictly because, and I do enjoy it as well. I, like I've told you, I love all genres of music. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I just, I love artists or I don't. It's never the genre thing. I, I just say fad just because I don't think it's ever going to go bigger than it already is. Yeah. I think it just kind of lives where it's at. Yeah. It's kind of, I think we're seeing its heyday or its moment right now. Um, and lastly, Jake Paul. <laughs> Rad or bad? Bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, I give him credit for all the attention he's garnered. He seems to be able to be a pretty damn good boxer, all things considered. But uh, yeah, it's... I mean, in, in the sense of this of this podcast, <laughs> I, I would I would almost give them all rads because <laughs> their marketing genius has got them to where they're at right now, all of them, and it's got them up to a point that. But will it will it be lasting? Eh. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, Tyler Rich, brother, I can't I can't thank you more. It's been fascinating kind of hearing your story, your journey, kind of hearing it firsthand. We really appreciate your transparency and your honesty comes through in your music. And if you're out there listening better than you're used to, go download it. Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere, everywhere. I know it's out there. Where else can everybody keep up with all things Tyler Rich? Uh, it's just as easy as that. Anywhere you type my name, if it doesn't show up, then I'm doing something wrong. Uh, <laughs> name is spelled very simple: T Y L E R R I C H. Yeah, cool man. And go to, if you're on the West Coast, you know where to go find them. I might have to get out there. I'm going to be in L A uh, next month, so maybe maybe something will align somewhere where I'm on the coast. I'm going to come hear you, brother. Yeah, man. We're, I mean, if you're in the next month, we're, we're all over. So yeah, cool. Yes, cool. sir. Let's stay in touch, man. I want to follow your journey and uh, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Hey, guys, we really appreciate Tyler Rich. You know where to find him. He just told you. Better than you used to. It's awesome. Go listen to it. Country Radio, play it more. And you know where to find us, theradcast.com. Search for all the highlight clips. Search for Tyler Rich. You'll find all the episode information from today. And you know where to find me, at Ryan Alford, on all the platforms. We'll see you next time. The Radcast.